eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Dan writes, disappointed and relieved. First, let me say a big fan of yours, big fan of the podcast, been listening to you since you're an up-and-comer at the fan. Thank you. And I find most of your Met takes and general attitude towards the team to be in right in line with mine. I'm probably three to four years older than you, which is likely why we share a lot of the same perspective, although I actually have memories of 86 and 88, which is a blessing and a curse as a Met fan. <laughs> I understand that. Anyway, in regard to Yamamoto, I'm disappointed. It's clear Yamamoto had a chance and has a chance to be a special player in MLB. And I, like any other baseball fan, was very excited about the possibility of his specialness belonging to us. And since the Mets have been quite clear that they're not going to pivot to any other big free agent, this all but confirms an underwhelming offseason for us. Yes, I know that's good business, but it will sap our excitement, and that's no fun at all. By the way, that is a really true statement. Keep that in mind. You can do something smart and still be disappointed. And that's exactly how I feel. I think that's phrased very, very well. This is going to be a disappointing offseason. I don't think there's any question. And coming into it, I remember laying this out. Otani Yamamoto, if they miss out on them, they are not just going to pivot and buy someone for the sake of buying someone. And that means disappointing offseason. That means you will hear people say, this is the worst offseason ever, which it's not. It's just disappointing, massively disappointing. And you're going to have to bend yourself into a pretzel to convince yourself the Mets are going to make the playoffs in 2024. But we'll do that anyway as fans, and we'll play that game. While also saying, hey, I'm glad they're not doing something stupid like handing Blake Snell $200 million. Two things can be true at the same time. Anyhow, he goes on to write, I'm relieved. 
the insanity that in, that has transpired over the last few weeks in New York, in the media, and just in the area at large regarding Yamamoto was getting out of hand. In a lot of ways, this rivaled the Subway Series for the Mets and the Yankees vitriol. And I'm not ashamed to say I hate the Yankees. Not so much the people on their team, it's more their fans. Those specific fans that only tune in in September and October and think the Yankees are entitled to all rings and all players. The ones that were kids in the late 90s, so they think it's their birthright to be number one. When it looked like this was going to be down to the Mets or the Yankees, especially after the Otani and Glasnow deals, I started to consider this as a lose-lose proposition. On the one hand, the Yankees could land the player and we'd be subject to the same BS we always are. See, no one wants to play for the Mets when they could don the pinstripes. Where's your Uncle Stevie now? Blah, 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 blah. On the other hand, for the Mets to land him, they would have to have vastly overpaid for a guy that's never stood on an MLB mound. What happens if he's a flop? What happens if he needs Tommy John surgery right away and is never the same? What if he's just a mediocre pitcher? Yes, I know many front offices have evaluated him and decided he's the real deal, but he's also a beneficiary beneficiary of being one of the only aces on the market this offseason. And the lack of resume is likely adding to his value rather than taking away. All good news for him, but ultimately a bit of a gamble for the team that signs him. Maybe I'm a damaged Mets fan, but it seems like long-term deals for players, especially pitchers, constantly turn into an albatross. It's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that we look back on this deal in a few years with a sigh of relief. He writes more, but I want to respond to this. You can look at every free agent and say this is a dumb contract, or this is a risky contract, or this is an overpay. Free agency generally doesn't work out. Doesn't mean it never works out. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be involved in it. But free agency is usually paying for what a guy did. Now, in Yamamoto's case, he's 25 years old, so you're paying for what you think he's going to do. But if you think about free agency in a very smart, balanced way, you'll never sign anybody. You know what I mean by that? Now, Obviously, there are lines in the sand that we all have. We just laid it out for a guy like Blake Snell. I deem that to be dumb. But other things you do in free agency are just less dumb. But everything is dumb, if that makes sense. It's free agency. And go through the history of it. Like, you'll find some really good signings. Max Scherzer to the Washington Nationals. Randy Johnson to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm sticking with pitchers for now. But then there's a ton that that fail. It's a risk, but when you have an owner with a lot of money, and that's the beauty of being a big market owner, is that you are able to take that risk, and if it doesn't work, it's not going to hamstrung you forever. Let me continue with uh, Dan's email, because he does have another paragraph, and he spent a lot of time writing it, and I appreciate it. Maybe the most important thing to consider about all this, though, is that the Dodgers have had this offseason circled as the one to go big for a couple of years now. It should come as no surprise they were able to execute like this. The Mets, however, have seemingly circled next offseason as their time to spend big. So no one, Mets or Yankee fan, should be surprised here. The Mets have a long way to go to build their brand up as a destination for young star free agents. That will come from on-the-field success. You can't really fast-track that with cash. You can only supplement it. In the end of the day, I'd rather be the Mets than the Yankees. When both teams scuffled this year, it was the Yankee fans who really seemed to struggle with it more. I guess they just weren't as used to it as us. 
And to me, that kind of fan media team culture would be less attractive to a potential free agent. The Mets aren't without their own stigma of dysfunction, but it's hard to believe they'd ever boo their best player in the playoffs. So here's to a boring offseason. I hope Yamamoto's a bust and Otani never pitches again. So when the Mets are back on top, the Dodgers won't stand in their way. Dan in Connecticut. <laughs> I think that for this franchise to be successful, for this franchise to surprise us this year and be a championship contender next year and the year after, yeah, we'll spend a lot of time talking about free agents they need to sign, but they are going to have to develop a strong nucleus. And they have to a degree. I mean, the Mets have a strong position player base of Pete and Nimmo and Lindor and McNeil, assuming he can bounce back. It's not the worst in the world, obviously. But they're going to have to develop some young starting pitching. They are. They cannot just buy five starters every single year. David Vale writes, pivot to Pete. Stearns and Cohen have to pivot to Pete Alonzo. I have a bad feeling they won't and will wait until he's a free agent and he'll walk because someone will offer him north of what he's worth. It goes back to what you always preach about not paying hometown guys and spending elsewhere. Dave from Shithole, Vermont. Is that a real place? Shithole, Vermont? Or is that a town? <laughs> or is he just calling Vermont a shithole? <laughs> I'm sorry. I've driven 20 hours in the last two days coming back from Florida. I explained this earlier in the pod, but I believe re-signing Pete Alonzo, extending Pete Alonzo right now is so important, not just from a PR standpoint, because what does that mean? But from a, you take away a lot of the work you have to do next offseason. Because next offseason, which is now the new, hey, Shane Bieber, Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, Max Fried, look at all these free agents. Juan Soto. Why would you want to have to add your own guy to that list? Now you're putting together an agenda where you've got a lot of freaking work to do next December and January. Why not get this Pete thing out of the way now? It does take two to tango. He is represented by Scott Boris. And so that's a problem. And that could be a problem because if he's asking for $300 million and you value him, and you look at it and say, well, you know, we'll give you seven years, 200, and you're that far off, then you can't just simply wave a magic wand to get the deal done. I do understand that. I guess what I'm hoping for, more than waving a magic wand, assuming it's not happening, because we haven't heard any rumors that it is, is I think you just need to start to really have serious conversations about it. Get Scott Boris in a room and say, all right, Scott, let's try to be reasonable here. You're not getting $300 million in free agency. Let's not play that game. Let's get this thing done. We know Pete wants to be here. You just got him as a client five minutes ago. That's an easy earnings for you without having to take him to free agency. Let's get this thing done. And let me defend Scott and Pete on this. Can we stop using Matt Olson's contract as a sample? Matt Olson signed it well before free agency. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And Matt Olson also signed it before he was as established as what Pete Alonzo is now. It's not the contract Pete should sign. I'm sorry. It's not. I hate when it's used. Jean-Pierre writes, rotation question I haven't heard asked yet. Ooh. This is exciting. Hey there, Evan. First, I'd like to say love the pod. It's always my first listen on days it gets released. We appreciate that. My question has to do with the plan for this rotation beyond 2024 in the wake of losing out on Yamamoto. The short-term plan seems to be to fill out the rotation with reclamation projects and one-year deals with the idea of not mortgaging the future. I actually disagree with this plan to an extent because as of right now, Kodai is the only pitcher locked in beyond 2024. Stearns and Cohen obviously have an eye to 2025 in terms of when they really want to compete. However, it'd be tough to fill out a championship caliber rotation in just one offseason with that many holes. Shouldn't this process begin this offseason? Yes, yes, and yes. I agree with you. Right now, and this doesn't include the young arm that emerges, the Christian Scott or Jose Budo makes it clear he deserves a rotation spot. So leave those guys out for now. Obviously, you're hoping that someone emerges. If you get one guy to emerge as a, that guy's got to be in my rotation next year, that's a huge win. But you can't assume that. Hasn't happened the last couple of years. Can't assume it now. I agree with you that I would like a second guy with Kodai Senga that you could at least go into the offseason next year with and say, hey, I got two-fifths of my rotation set. Maybe even three-fifths if there is that young guy that you want to give a shot to. Going into the offseason next year, potentially with only one guy under control that you have confidence in being in your rotation is very, very risky. I lean towards Montgomery, and I know this is sort of hypocritical over Imanaga, Iman, Imanaga, Imanaga. If the Mets sign him, I'll get it right, I promise you. And I know this is hypocritical compared to Yamamoto. I think I prefer Montgomery just because I've seen him. Because I've watched him develop over the last few years. I've watched him get better. In a weird way, him being a Yankee and him being average with the Yankees has warmed me up to him because I've seen him get considerably better over the last year and a half with St. Louis and Texas. John Nieves writes, the caricature was dead a year ago. Bro, this caricature isn't dead because Steve Cohen won't go above and beyond to blow guys away. The caricature died the second the other owners got jealous and made the Cohen tax. They changed the math and the value proposition of overpaying. Remember, this team is data-driven now. The deadline deals to trade Max and Verlander happened because of the math. Now the data says it would be an absolute sure thing to overplay and blow another suitor out of the way. Yamamoto was not a sure thing. Soto might be. But you say he's in decline, so maybe not. But I assure you, if the sure thing ever comes along, the version of Moneybag Steve will appear. I don't know that. And by the way, Moneybag Steve did appear. I mean, let me, let's phrase this correctly. He offered the guy $325 million. The guy never pitched in the major leagues. I'm not saying he made him a crappy offer or a cheap offer. He made him, for a moment in time, the highest offer until he got matched. What I'm merely saying is the caricature we all created, and I assume John was a part of it too, was that me want this player, me get this player. That has not happened. 
That's what George did for a very long time. And I know we don't want Steve Cohen necessarily to be every aspect of George Steinbrenner. I get that. But we were hoping he would be, I want this guy. I go get this guy. That has not happened yet. Will it happen? I hope so. He's been the owner for a couple of years. Things can change. Maybe Juan Soto is that guy. Maybe the first guy that he looks at and says, I'm not just going to make the highest offer. I'm going to blow him away with this. Maybe it is Juan Soto. Darren writes, your disappointment with Steve. I know you weren't totally disappointed per se. I just wanted to get your attention. (laughs) Okay. I think I disagree with your take on this whole Yamamoto outcome. While I agree that maybe we all built Mr. Cohen into something he's not, I disagree with your take that you want him to blow people away with an offer. I think that maybe he didn't think that this was the time to do it for a move like that. This guy's calculated, not for someone with no MLB games under his belt. I think he has his eye on next offseason, at least, I hope. Next year, when Juan Soto is available, a much more proven commodity, you don't think he's going to go about this a little differently? I think it's more likely he does. I get your proclivity to overreact emotionally, and I think that's what this is. Give it some rational thought. You might feel a little different when you consider all aspects of the situation. I've given it a week, and I, I stand by that. Like if, if you, and let, let me phrase this differently, all right? If you want to sign a free agent and you're the New York Mets who have won nothing, you need to outbid your opponent by a lot. I thought that about Otani. They didn't do it because Otani's agent didn't give him a call back. They sort of tried to do it with Yamamoto, but it wasn't by enough. And yeah, they're going to have to do it next year with guys like Juan Soto and Corbin Burns. It is very unlikely in a market where a ton of teams are going after a player that you're just going to get a guy by being in the mix. That's not true. That's not where this franchise is. And while that's disappointing, that's the reality. Will Juan Soto next year be the guy that Steve Cohen says, I'm not taking no for an answer? I will leave no doubt? We'll find out. The problem is we got to wait a year. And no one's in the mood to wait a year. Appreciate all the emails. I apologize we couldn't get to all of them. We will certainly spend a lot more time in the coming weeks discussing pivot plans Right now, I lean on Jordan Montgomery. I lean on bringing someone else in this rotation that you not just have for 2024, but you have for the future. That's where I'm at right now. We'll also read some of your emails coming up in the next week or so concerning the pods we dropped over the last week, the greatest one-year wonders in Met history and the best seasons in Met history. And a reminder, Game 7, Mets Cardinals, hate to be depressing from 2006. That's our big off-season rewatch game. So if you haven't had a chance to watch it and you have some free time, give it a look and we'll do a special podcast on that in the next couple of weeks. We do appreciate you listening to Rico Bronia. I apologize for being away. I thought when I recorded the driving down to Florida pod on Yamamoto, I even said to Hall Fall Fair, I texted him. I said, you know what? After a big day at Magic Kingdom, I'll sit down. We'll do like an hour podcast. We'll, We'll get a kind of more balanced take on Yamamoto while I'm away. And I was so freaking tired after every day at Disney, I could not do it. (laughs) So I apologize. Every day I would get home and I'd say, all right, let me turn the microphone on. Let's do it. And for anyone that has kids or doesn't have kids, you just go to Disney World on your own. 
you know that you are freaking exhausted. So I apologize, but I appreciate you listening and downloading. I'll be back with Tiki on Tuesday, January 2nd at 2 o'clock on WFN. We'll hope you take a listen. Thank you for listening to Rico Brown. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.